My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. This show is a daily broadcast from a treehouse on the Londolozi Game Reserve in the wild eastern part of South Africa. Londolozi is a 14,000 hectare wilderness reserve adjacent to the Kruger National Park. The land is home to lion, leopard, rhino, elephant and buffalo, as well as a variety of other animals. I am your host, Boyd Varty. My goal is to spend 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness to explore the archetype of the mystic in nature and hone my skills as a tracker. These are my daily stories. Day 2. Dealing with a somewhat anxious ape. Hey friends, this is a report from day two. The quote that I'd like to start with is, If you are truly present and know how to take care of the present moment as best you can, you are doing your best for the future already. Last night, I'll give you a little journal entry of from the camp last night. Last night at dusk, a herd of elephants surrounded the camp. I could hear them all around me grumbling and then splashing as they slipped past the back of the camp. I shone my torch and I got the sort of ghost light, ghost lit back figures of them as they went off the river bank um, and then down into the water to cross. There were also three fiery neck night jars calling all around the, all around the camp in beautiful stereo. Uh, to me it was more beautiful than nightingales in the south of France, just this incredible lilting sound. Dear Lord, deliver us. Dear Lord, deliver us. Dear Lord, deliver us. And I felt delivered for sure. Delivered into wilderness. Just at last light, a bushbuck, which to me is the most private of antelope, uh, crossed the river in one bound. And there was just a single splashing sound and I turned my head and there was this most private of antelopes just disappearing into the thicket. I sat alone for a long time by a tiny fire and dropped into a very deep and beautiful meditation. And I will say that despite all the life around me, I still felt fairly alone. Um, I do not feel totally in communion with everything yet. But I realize I, it's quite easy to fall into the poetic with all of this. The game around the camp is phenomenal. The beauty of the campsite itself is absolutely incredible. The sound of the river uh, continuously as a backdrop is truly beautiful. And I would say that I feel myself immersed in what Sigurd Olsen might call the great silence. And you might think of the great silence as the natural silence that has that has surrounded the earth for eons and eons before a boat engine or anything mechanical cut the air. It's kind of like a natural audio soundscape that feels alive. 
And it's not that you can hear the buzz of insects or the croak of frogs um, and life around you, but rather that all of that sound of buzzing and croaking together creates a soundscape that is alive in and of itself. It's like the soundscape is a singular living presence. And they say that audioscape has a profound effect on the nervous system, and I certainly already feel that. Uh, I know that people who have come to Londolozi who wear kind of wearable tech stuff, aura rings and that sort of thing, often report a drop in resting heart rate by about 10 beats just by coming into a, a very still and natural place. Sometime during the night, a huge wind came up and I woke with the sound of the branches moving and the mozzie net uh, flapping and somehow a big brown moth had appeared quite magically inside the mozzie net. And as I got visual of this moth in my flashlight, I thought of my friend Andrew Russell who once took off his helmet on a motorbike trip we were on and when he took it off, a swallow flew out of it. And just this very deep understanding that nature will get in everywhere. And I'm becoming aware of that very quickly. Waking up this morning in the tree is totally magical. And I know I should probably be careful not to overuse that word. But really magical is the best way to describe it. I went outside and down, down the steps of the tree to the base. And I started to make myself a cup of coffee. Um... That turned out to not be drinkable so I've come to realize that the inside of my kettle is so corroded from the mineralized water in this area that it makes the coffee taste like you're drinking from a hot spring and somehow <laughs> somehow in my excitement yesterday of being out here I absolutely failed to realize that the coffee I was drinking is completely unpalatable so that's a uh, minus one point for me, for not being mindful enough to even know what my own coffee tasted like. While I was brewing the coffee, and this is one of the things that I'm really loving about this experience, even this early on in, is there's like this constant um, scope of little incidences, little things keep happening. While I was brewing the coffee, two hy hyenas suddenly appeared, and there was an older female and then a youngster, and they came in quite relaxed to investigate, and must have been standing five or six meters away from me, one was even sniffing my dry goods trunk um, and just watching me with these incredibly comical eyes. And so what was meant to be sunrise coffee and meditation turned in totally into its own thing. I eventually did get to the meditation, which was really beautiful. I'm able to sit in the tree and turn my chair so that I can stare directly east to the rising sun and to watch the sun rise over the river and to drop into meditation is, is very, very beautiful. And I feel a great deal of gratitude to the tree and to the river and to the sun and to the person who positioned this treehouse many years ago uh, for the quality of the sunrises here. Also another little weird quirk that I should tell you about is down on the sandbank east of the camp uh, is a log which has kind of flood debris all over it. And from the angle of the treehouse, it looks like a giant baboon staring at the camp. And when you look down there in the half-light, it's frankly kind of unnerving. And right now, uh, I've, named it, I've named it Raymond. 
and I guess I'm just telling you that so that you will know when I have gone totally mad when there is a whole episode of me talking to Raymond, which I suspect could happen sooner than I like. Out here, the one thing that I can tell you is that a day does feel like a week. Generally around the camp, I'm being disciplined about keeping a good sense of order. And, you know, basically that's a principle of just trying to be uh, a good and disciplined, disciplined camper. But there's definitely something more to it for me. The space feels so alive that in a very deep part of myself, I feel a duty to minimalize my emanation of physical and energetic output um, so as to allow the space to be as it is. And I feel like just n noticing little things like that is on some very subtle level the ground out of which deeper changes could start to emerge. Um, not just brashly arriving in the space but feeling the space and allowing the space to constellate me a little bit differently. I feel like there's a kind of uh, nature awareness there that feels very important. Uh, you may get a little bit of wind on the microphone because the wind is still howling, which is still strange for this time of year, but that uh, that is you know the element the the elemental quality that is being handed to me right now. This morning, I went on a small expedition. I took a short walk out of the camp. I heard some wildebeest alarming, uh, and then I saw tracks of a lioness and a cub, most likely a lioness and a cub that we know in this area called the Salala female. I followed the tracks for a little while and then I briefly glimpsed the lioness and the cub and they were a, a good di distance away from me on the opposite crest of a ridge. Um, and the reason that I saw them was a herd of impalas were alarming at them and a, sort of across on the ridge line I suddenly saw them, the impalas alarming and then the impalas all scattered in every direction and the lioness very quickly went into some thick cover. I also saw three rhinos that I hope I will go back and track this afternoon. I already feel a deeper affinity for the stillness and the pace of the animals. I don't have to work, I find I don't have to work so hard to try and understand the frequency of their days. Um, I feel myself attuning to that pretty quickly. And I will say that one of the reasons that I decided to do this at Londolozi, originally I had thought I would go up to Mana Pools in eastern Zimbabwe, but I'm realizing that Londolozi was the right choice because it is so rich with game that a short walk from the camp can be so full of encounters and the, the density of animals is so high that it creates a kind of feeling of, um, of density to the day because you could have had 12 incredible encounters with wild animals by 9am in the morning. And so I'm just really reveling in the scope of life around me. Um, but I'm also aware that I have not yet fully dropped. And I can still subtly feel my body is revving way too high for the environment. Uh, to, to butcher a, a golf metaphor, I would still say that I have my driver out on the putting green. I can just feel like I'm, I'm still out of step with the rhythm and pace of things. Sometime during the mid-morning after I got back from the walk, I got hit by 
a wave of intense anxiety. And I guess that I've been, you know, during a retreat, a challenge, a getting out of normal life um, into this type of environment, I'm expecting that something like this would happen. And then just suddenly uh, there was old pattern of mind that was just all over me. I felt myself thinking to myself, oh God, here we go. Hello, old stories. But for a little while, I felt totally overrun by it. And I understand that that's probably pretty natural. Uh, I'm in a big transition. Just, you know, simple things like I'm in a transition from a house to a tree. I'm in a transition from a community to solitude. I'm in a transition from busy to still. I'm in a transition from distraction to presence. And you can really feel the scope, or I can really feel the scope of what I distract myself into in its absence. So, you know, there's no phone, there's no one to talk shit to, <laughs> or just talk to, there's no news, there's no TV, there's no podcasts, there's no work. And so all of those things are just there as a kind of headspace. And then you might add to that if you just gave yourself a moment to think of all the headspace that goes into just your general appearance and how you present yourself to the world each day. Well, there's none of that. Um, and then you might think of like the time that you spend thinking about food, seeing people to eat food, what food to eat, booze, uh, little treats you might have for yourself, patterns of nourishment, patterns of soothing, bonding patterns. In solitude, uh, those places that can that that are very important but can also keep us from deeper levels, uh, they totally fall away. And as a world-class distractor, I will tell you that I really feel uh, the absence of the things that I distract myself into. And there's something beautiful about it, and there's also something quite quite terrifying. Being alone. Another little observation is that being alone is is so profoundly different to being on, say, a camping trip in the wild with even one other friend. Um, the, the feeling of it is, is radically different. And there's also something about the scope of this time, which is probably why the mystics went for 40 days and 40 nights. But there's something about the scope of the time w where, when I get anxious, starts to grab me. It just gets in my head, you know, six weeks, Six weeks is too long, 38 days to go, 38 days to go. And I'm sure if you're in enforced isolation somewhere during this strange pandemic time, you, you could understand that. And, you know, I could certainly understand it from you. I mean, of course, there must be those of you uh, who think, what the hell is this guy getting anxious about? He's in the wild doing whatever he wants. And... That is a thought that I fully understand um, because I have that judgment in spade loads. Um, so as the anxiety comes up, you know, I get anxious about time and stuff and then I get anxious about the fact that I'm anxious. Like, why should I be anxious right now? But then judging the anxiety makes me anxious. <laughs> but really, you know, through the anxiety, the great revela revelation of the day came thanks to having some of Thich Nhat Hanh's books here um, and I spent the day I spent that period of time rather than trying to get out of the anxiety with distraction I could go tracking I could go running I could get exercising 
I actually, in the spirit of retreat, I simply acknowledged it and I allowed it to have its life. And so I took my anxious self and I sat with the anxiety and I was kind to it. I allowed it to be there. And by doing that, it took, a, it took some time, but slowly through, I guess, what you would call Bud Buddhist loving kindness meditation, being kind to myself for being anxious, being kind to the anxiety itself, asking it where it came from, asking it, you know, what it's trying to show me, um, and just noticing uh, I was able to release it. And through that, I realized that I keep dropping into this idea that I have about how I think this experience should go, um, rather than letting the experience show me what it's going to be. It's like, I'm going on the experience to have the experience and then I'm trying to control what the experience is. You know, to my mind it would be like wild man goes to wild and lives in rapture and revelation. Where in, more in reality what it is is man goes into wild and has encounter with totally unrelated anxiety. Uh, but I did feel through that experience, through the middle of the day, I maybe understand the Buddha beset upon by demons as he sat still in the grove. And maybe I understand a little deeper uh, the temptation of Jesus um, as he was out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Perhaps all of it was mind um, that had not been allowed to rest into itself yet. So, you know, in light of letting the retreat show me what it's going to be, well, today it's going to be pure ma magic followed by a few hours of anxiety. And so I've spoken kindly to it all. I've decided... Um, and I felt myself shift into the idea that I'm along for the ride. And I realized that that anxiety is, it has nothing to do with this experience. It's much older anxiety brought here to the tree by my mind. And if there was an insight to the day, it was perhaps that the great courage uh, was finding today that surrender is asking for more courage than action. The great courage I am finding today is that surrender is asking for more courage than action, which is why I'm here to learn these things. And maybe this is the gift of all of our isolation. And for a moment, we can actually be still enough to let it all arise into kindness uh, instead of just trying to distract ourselves from it. Maybe what we're being asked for is to just wherever we are on this day, let it be whatever it is. One of the exercises that I might offer you if you want to get in touch with how quickly you distract yourself, uh, one of the things you can do is try and slow the frame speed down a little bit. So before you go for a piece of cake or a cookie or any piece of food, before you pick up your phone to check the news, before you uh, reach for an evening drink, slow down enough and see if somewhere before the impulse you can capture the feeling uh, of what's actually going on inside of you. And if you can begin to tune into that, you might find that there is something much deeper than the need for the cookie or the cake or the beer. So I just invite you to slow down to the pace of the wilderness and ask yourself 
what do I really need before you go for the things that are aligned with your patterning. It's just a mindfulness practice that is being uh, pretty much foist upon me by the beautiful pace of this environment. Things are happening just dramatically more slower and I'm able to be much more in touch with the feelings underneath uh, the initial impulses. As of right now, I'm eating a sweet potato cooked in the embers of the fire and I'm starting to wonder where those rhino have gone. I think I'll probably spend the afternoon I'll go back to where they were this morning and try and get on their tracks and try and spend a few hours on their on their tracks following. The anxiety has passed into a feeling of being very calm. Uh, in the tree adjacent to me is a troop of vervet monkeys. And as I'm talking to you now, they're jumping across into the tree that I'm in. And so they're coming in for a visit, which feels quite wonder wonderful. I wonder how you're all doing out there. Um, I want you to know that I will sit still here for a few more hours and then I will go and track us a rhino. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varty, Twitter at Boyd Varty, visit Boyd's website at boydvarty.com or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.